0: Hi, this is Chris, host of A Couple of Drips. Just before we start, I wanted to say a quick word about our subscribers' memberships. If you'd like to help support future episodes, you can subscribe to the show for a few pounds a month. This will help fund production, coffee and guest expenses. Simply click on the support button in the episode description. Cheers, and enjoy the show. cup settle in and turn it up it's time for a couple of drips coffee conversation and occasional quips here's your host chris granger hello and welcome to the latest episode of a couple of drips it's my great pleasure to welcome today one of my oldest friends and by that i don't mean you're old uh, well, yeah, okay, yeah, well, you well. but one of my oldest and longest standing friends doctor is it doctor or professor
2: both, but you, you pick whichever you want. Professor
0: Dr. Gianluca Sergi, hello, sir.
2: Hello, hello.
0: How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you very much, Chris. Jolly good. Um, Tell everyone how we met, because it's it's a great story, but you always tell it better.
2: Uh, uh, well, I was um, teaching at the University of Staffordshire in Stoke and Trent, um, mm-hmm. teaching film and television, and... Because I had a nine a.m. class, I uh, thought <laughs> so it was punishment enough for my students to have to listen to me at nine a.m. I decided to uh, offer coffee services to the students uh, brave enough to come at that time of the day. Yeah, and uh, full sl- silver service n- on a platter. Well, it was a white kettle, I think, <laughs> and some some random mugs. Um, but and there some was some random instant as there, well. very again. much. Yeah, it was terrible stuff. But anyway. Um, but there was this one student who kept on coming with his mug, yeah, and saying yes, pl- yes, please, yes, sir, can I have more, sir, please, and uh and of course it was you. So it, yeah, that was yeah. the the beginning of a of a of a friendship for better or worse. As they say. Definitely, definitely,
0: yes. yeah. yeah. Kept coming back. Uh, what was the module? Can you remember?
2: No, i <laughs> absolutely <laughs> can't. Something about film, I guess. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I
0: think it might have yeah. been introduction to film or maybe, something, maybe, or maybe, maybe, maybe something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good, excellent. And and then from that, um, I got a small job working in the office with you, didn't I? Yeah. On the sorting the computers out because you had a had your own media server at the time. Yeah, it was a was different, <laughs> different era.
2: This tells you how old I am. Um, yeah, so that's actually was a funny funny time because the internet uh, was becoming a thing, mm-hmm. uh, but. But certainly universities were uh, using it mostly for email and and some basic stuff. And I got curious, like I often do, and people run for the hills when I get curious usually. And uh, I managed to convince the university to give me £5,000 to buy a server, which at the time they probably thought was a person... Uh, that would sit in my office. uh, That was me.
0: That was my my role. Mm.
2: Yeah. Uh, They obviously didn't know what the hell I was talking about. And and the idea of having an IT department that would oversee all of this was science fiction at the time. So they gave me the money, bought the machine, learned how to use the software for my sins, really. Uh, But I knew that you were interested in computers and Mm. I knew that also you had the technical know-how that I didn't have. So... It was nice to be able to work together, um, setting up the very first, um, you know, online
0: teaching module. Yeah, yeah.
2: teaching uh, at that the time. I mean, you'd
0: never get away with having a having a separate server no, to the no. main university now, would you?
2: No. no, but we're talking now 25 years ago. So yeah, in 1998, yeah, I think it, it was. It was yeah. a very different yeah. time. Yeah. It was a freer time, but it was also a yeah. slightly messier time, yeah. let's say.
0: It was a nice time, though. We it was. It was. It was, shared, it was. very nice. Shared the office with the wonderful Alan Lovell. He's yes, certainly no our, longer with us.
2: Yes, that's right. With my mentor and putative father, in many ways. Alan. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. Lovely, very nice times. And from that, we got uh, talking about uh, coffee, didn't we? And coffee machines. Yes. And uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think we had we had a Krups, a kind of steam powered espresso machine. It
2: was, yeah, it was one of those cheap and nasty things that, however, make surprisingly decent coffee and lasted for such a long time it did yeah and in fact (laughs) i still have the coffee grinder the kenwood coffee grinder 10 all 10 pounds of it fantastic from the coffee chopper yes from the late (laughs) 1990s still works it's still in my office brilliant uh yeah so we 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 graduated from instant coffee to to some kind of cappuccino machine yeah uh which people now think you know complicated you know, at the time i think people
0: just... used to come in the office and think we were mad i remember we we um
2: You're probably were. Yeah, yeah yeah we
0: we shared an off uh we had an office next to uh liz pool mm-hmm. who's now based at keel mm-hmm. and um she used to be fascinated She she's coming in and say, like what does it do
2: yes. <laughs> No, but also because we were making a heck of a lot of noise with those yeah. things. well, know? those
0: walls weren't sealed as well, so you yeah. could hear. If you're in the next office, you could hear every kind of noise we were making. Yeah.
2: And okay. people used to teach in their offices at the times. Yeah, sometimes. that's right. They so used
0: to do seminars. You, yeah,
2: you make any noise in one office, the other the other office is going to come <laughs> knocking on the door, going like, "What in the world are you doing? Yeah, yeah. What Which is that? A good question. What in is that general? Milk frothing Yeah, no, yeah. No, 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 yeah. generally, was a good question <laughs> about that office in particular, but yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> definitely and uh from that i uh went to stay with you and your family in italy mm-hmm. and we ended up buying full-blown cappuccino machines from there didn't yeah, we yeah. you had a you had a bright yellow gadget did you have a, a yellow or a blue gadget It was I yellow reckon? it was yellow.
2: yellow uh which believe it or not is still working although i don't no have way. it anymore i've given it to a friend uh uh yeah no the, the, it was a end of the millennium sale it was 1999 and yeah gadget had made this one machine um by all intents and purposes an excellent machine but maybe they made too many i don't know so they Mm. were they were Mm. having a big sale Mm. and i remember you bought two and brought Mm. two back and i brought i brought brought, brought one and brought it back to the uk yeah yeah and and it's still working 23 years
0: and and unbelievable (laughs) unbelievably we didn't put the coffee machines in the in in the hold hold. Uh, we took them on as hand luggage and there wasn't room in the lockers for them so they said oh just put them under your legs under the seat Hmm. Uh, it was a different time (laughs) a 15 kilo coffee machine oh just just pop it under your legs under the seat it was a very different time yeah 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 yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm different. very, very in memory of the flight back from that because do you remember we were on the plane uh, with Alan yeah. and the plane got hit by the bus? Yes. The wing of the plane got hit by the transport yeah. bus who'd already... Yeah. S- slammed his brakes on and nearly knocked the captain out at, at one point. Uh, getting there, right. and then we're on the plane for half an hour, and then we have to disembark while they check the wing. Yeah, uh,
2: we made it back. That's all that matters. In in a
0: <laughs> in a very strong side wind. Yes, I seem to remember yeah. an extremely strong side well, wind. Fun. It was it was great fun. It was great fun. Uh, so, talking of coffee, I've just noticed we're supposed to do the coffee tasting now, but you've mm-hmm. drunk all your coffee. But yeah. we can still talk about the coffee. Yeah. Let's do the coffee. All together now.
1: Coffee time, it's coffee time. It doesn't matter if it's your place or mine.
2: You're loving that, aren't you? Yeah. I, I don't know how you can top that. <laughs> yes. yeah.
0: Thanks for listening, folks. No. <laughs> so, Gianluca, what are we drinking?
2: Okay, so I'm going to have a go at this. It's called Remera Tujire Uh I think I said it. I kind of, think
0: that was a very good attempt.
2: Uh, it, it's from Rwanda. Okay. That's uh, a very nice coffee. It's quite came, mellow. But came
0: from Pact, quite mellow, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. But uh, but very nice, not too acidic, which I don't like. Mm. And it says blackberry and blueberry. And actually, to be fair.
0: It says with hints of purple, doesn't uh, it, on the, the front? It, but
2: the purple, I don't know. Yeah. But,
0: um, <laughs> you got the blackberry and blueberry, do you?
2: Yeah, I guess the purple is the blackberry and blueberry, I guess. Yeah. So, mouth uh, feels silky. Yeah. I would agree oh, with my that. My mouth is always silky, so there you go. You asked. <laughs> you asked the question.
0: I just nearly inhaled that. Yeah, nearly there you have, go.
2: Guess uh, what? Then uh, he had coffee trails. as you give me I yeah, yeah. yeah. my answer them, yes.
0: <laughs> That's staying in. Okay, so um, mm. tell us a little bit about what you do, Jan Gianluca. Tell us your official job title and other jobs that you do.
2: So I, I basically do two things, uh, parallel tracks kind of thing. So one is I, I teach at the University of Nottingham. I teach film primarily, but the job is film and television. And I'm the director of the Institute for Screen Industries Research. And I say that because that means explains the second track, which is I do research about and sometimes with uh, industry, uh, particularly in, in the States, in Hollywood, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco. I've been Great. lucky enough to be we able to do that. So, yeah. those, those two so how
0: did you get into that? That sounds like quite a sideways shift from teaching.
2: Yeah, um, I guess so. Um, I think I was always interested in all aspects of film, uh, both the making side of things and the exhibiting, you know, cinema yeah, showing yeah. stuff from a very, very, very early age. Just I probably started doing something unofficial, kind of about movies when I was eleven. So, mm, yeah, uh, a, a young person's film society in, mm. in my in my town in southern Italy, and and that always so that love for movies grew. And it grew into those two separate directions one was the academic and one was the more kind of working with industry but Mm. the the most specific answer comes from the phd that i did about dolby uh, the sound company and particularly the dolby sound system for movies Mm. i wrote a letter (laughs) you know that tells you my optimism in life. I wrote a letter to Ray Dolby when I was still a PhD student, saying, mm. "Oh dear, Ray, you know, yeah. I'm writing a PhD about you, yeah. and because you have nothing better to do, would you mind talking <laughs> to me?" Expecting absolutely nothing, yep. and instead, I Ray was because I, I didn't know Ray obviously. I got to n- know him, and he was a wonderful person in so many ways. But um, he contacted me. He said, "Oh, how wonderful!" and would you like to come to San Francisco and and see the company, talk to me about an in interview? And so, wow. which is what I did. And while I was there, he then said, Oh, who are you seeing at the ranch? You know, because he was talking about Skywalker Ranch in Lucasfilm, yeah. film, which was only a few miles north of yeah. San Francisco. And I said, well, you know, if you know anybody you want to introduce me to. Um, so Ray very kindly opened a lot of doors and f- and those doors opened more doors. It became kind of a Russian dolls of the best kind. Sure, sure. Uh, and so from sound, I uh, moved into uh, uh, talking to people who worked in production design, I worked, uh, to people who worked in production, film production, editing, all, all those kind of things. So, And that's when it grew. And then eventually I got extremely lucky uh, about having some, pretty phenomenal opportunities to work in in, in the US Uh, when you do research in an ideal world you share the findings of your research with the people that the research is about um, and not just your colleagues and fellow scholars and I was very keen to do that it it was always something that I wanted to do and I I banged my head against many doors of uh, (laughs) studio executives Um, but eventually I managed to find a way to uh, talk to them and present the the research and the findings that was of interest to them. Yeah. And and that led to a number of different research projects with them. At first it was just simply sharing the results. Yeah. I remember doing one on innovation in the film industry that was of particular interest to quite a lot of companies in the Bay Area, in yeah. San Francisco and in LA. And then uh, uh, quite a few of them said, oh, you know, by the way we'd, we would love to do something more about this and and from there I suggested projects that eventually were taken up on and, and I've done quite a lot of
0: those. Brilliant. So who who are some of the people that
2: you've worked with then? Oh, <laughs> <them>. <laughs> oh golly. Um, well, most of the different studios, um, Fox, when it, was still, it still existed as 20th century Fox and, yep. and so on. We did something rather s- small, but it was, uh, it was like a, a proof of concept test that the idea of working with studios might work yeah uh and then the the the, the much bigger ones have been with uh with sony which i did one a couple of years ago with uh, lucasfilm and which is obviously part of disney um uh, done one with the academy of motion pictures arts and sciences which are known as the oscars yeah uh uh, very nice very nice and what kind of things
0: do you consult for one one of a better better word on what what well, are you sort of topic areas
2: that varies quite a lot um, obviously it depends but if I were to focus on one area I would say the future of film um, in other words where is film meaning not just filmmaking but also the, the whole caboodle in many ways but but most importantly uh, theatrical exhibition in other words uh, cinemas um, film shown at cinemas uh, is there a future for that etc etc so in I've the
0: light thought... of streaming platforms well
2: and... even before streaming yes there was yeah. already uh, every look every 10-15 years somebody says cinema is dead yeah. and i just I just written a book on that so yeah. you know literally from the very beginning of film yeah every 10 years somebody declared cinema going dead only to find out that they, that's
0: they, why every 10 15 years they revive 3d and then they, uh, for a while and well luckily
2: it's not every 10 <laughs> or 15 years but
1: um
2: but in any case so there's always a crisis of some kind yeah. and uh, i guess i had accumulated enough experience looking at different aspects of filmmaking uh that made um some of these organizations think oh he may be of assistance i mean I, I, Let's let's get this straight. They're still gonna do whatever the the, the heck they want to do, yeah. but but they were wise, and I think they were beginning to realize that things were becoming so complicated and so complex um, that they really it w- that it would be really wise to to talk to as many people as possible who could provide um, advice, and I was one of the people that they wanted to talk to yeah um, and um and that opened up again more doors and more opportunities and so on. do
0: you get a sense that they're f- they're feeling very threatened by the streaming platforms or do you think that they have settled down a, l- a little bit now and they they feel a little bit more
2: confident in their own um hmm. so one thing that hollywood does very well is panicking mm. uh nobody panics more professionally than than people in hollywood yeah i mean you have to understand it, Hollywood, yes, it is a global business, mm. all the more now, I mean, mm. 75% of the box office for Hollywood movies come from abroad, it doesn't come anymore oh. from, from the US. So obviously it's a global business, but um, it is very much a company town. Los Angeles still is the center, the epicenter of yeah. of, of film in in all aspects. But because it's a company town, like all company towns, really, it's much smaller than you think it is. And so if somebody, it becomes an echo chamber. If somebody mm-hmm. shouts fire, everybody runs for the exit before mm-hmm. even checking whether there is a fire. yeah, Or whether there's a fire extinguisher right there. And maybe it's just simply, simple. Yeah. So, uh, but, but also you have to understand, and I'm not criticizing them I, I really, because the point is, most of the studios in LA, sorry, in Hollywood uh, are now owned uh, by shareholders. Mm. Uh, every three months, uh, they do a, a, a call, an mm. investor's call, yeah. and they expect the, the people who run the studios to tell them, This is how we're making money for you. Yeah. Yeah. So for a studio to do long term planning, yeah, and not panic about the short-term things. Yeah. is very difficult yeah. because of those yeah. things. So, in answer to your question, no, I don't think they got much better, and I don't know that they will get much better and at, mm. at, at relaxing about streaming. But there is now yeah. enough information, especially now with the <laughs> significant troubles that Netflix is going through, and yeah. and so on. I think they're beginning to realize that maybe they they the needle moved a bit too much towards mm. uh, streaming. And also the other important thing the data is showing is that the people who stream are the people who go to the cinema. Hmm. So it's not an either or, it's not yeah. a zero sum game. Yeah. The problem, the bigger problems may lie elsewhere, not not necessarily with streaming.
0: Yeah. So do you personally feel that streaming will ever completely threaten cinema or no? Or no. no.
2: Um uh, categorically, no. For a number of different reasons. First of all, if anybody's interested in this. First of all, uh, streaming has never really gone through a major crisis. Mm. Um, and this, Netflix is beginning to enter, might yeah, become absolutely. that first yeah. crisis. So what we don't know is w- what's going to happen. Mm. Cinema has gone through, I don't know, 10, 15 significant crisis and it's always managed to get through. So there is yeah. a it's road tested and streaming is not. Yeah. Number one. Number two, they're very different. Uh, activities, uh, streaming is watching stuff. Movies is going to the movies. It's a it's a social activity, very different from streaming. So the two are complementary, mm-hmm. because if you stream, you you love movies, you watch more movies, you become more interested, mm-hmm. more aware of uh, stars or whatever, mm-hmm. and so. But but it it cannot replace really cinema also as a money maker because the movies. That are shown at the cinema, that make money there, mm. are always going to be much more lucrative when they move on to s- streaming. Yeah. If you go straight to streaming, yeah. you're missing out on potentially creating yeah. that buzz and atmosphere and expectation.
0: And it's an experience going to the of cinema. You know, but that's
2: but that's what you say going to the cinema. You yeah. don't say I'm going to see a movie. you going I'm going to the cinema because it is the actual. Social experience of going there, yeah. sitting in a darkened theater with strangers. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a night out or afternoon out or whatever. Uh, so, so it's a, it's much more complete, a complete social experience than just simply saying I'm curious about this movie. Yeah.
0: Or, yeah, 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 definitely. Do you think? I mean, is there a resistance within the industry to to move with the times? Am I am I right in thinking that the Academy still doesn't recognize Netflix films for, for awards
2: well the, the, the Academy in other words the Oscars um, the Academy has evolved quite significantly their position with respect to streaming uh, but what you have to bear in mind is that the Academy is made of people mm-hmm. men and women like, like you and me um, and therefore you have your own beliefs and you have your own convictions mm-hmm. and sometimes those come from decades of uh, working in a certain way, doing things in a certain yeah. way. It's very difficult to shift suddenly yeah. your your stance on on this matters. Also, don't forget there is an Academy of Television that mm. that, that, yeah. that gives out their own awards, yeah. the, the, the the Emmys. And so you know, there's, there's a question mark as to why should you know originally there was a question mark why would the Academy mm. give Oscars to something made for television when there is a, another mm. academy yeah, that's that a gives point. Emmys yeah. um, which are the equivalent to the Oscars for, t- yeah. for TV yeah. so it became but, but but everything became kind of confused into this maelstrom of mm. is streaming going to kill cinema going and and that's when research and particularly somebody who can come yeah. in like me from an outsider's perspective not yes. something in, engaged or involved or even yeah. invested yeah. that's when it can help uh, assist them because I, I can say look you know you're in yeah. the trenches. You don't see what I see because I'm up on the hill. That's my Yes, job. yeah. So yeah. I, c- I can see a little more than you, not because I'm better than you, yeah. but just because th- of where I'm standing. Yeah. Um, And so uh, let me help you kind of think. But, you know, again, ego gets in the way.
0: I was going to say, I can see how coming from outside could, could be seen as, as a neutral kind of advantage. But have you met any resistance from within?
2: Well, this <laughs> there's... <laughs> sorry I can't help but laugh uh, <laughs> yes yes of course resistance that not even star wars could, could put up right <laughs> that kind of resistance to the to the dark side of the force um yes of course but then you have to expect that uh, yeah. they first of all when when they hear academic they immediately think oh this is a guy who spends his life in his office never how could he possibly learn about this yeah so you need to and it's up it's upon you really to develop a way to make him see that actually you do know about this stuff and mm. and perhaps what you know might be your assistance to them. Yeah. You don't know more than they do but but you know something, you, you know the same stuff but from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And and once they yet realize, no, hold on, this guy understands about this and, and about that and about that and then they, they can go like, okay, well, then we speak the same language. Yeah. Uh, we want the same thing, that's the other important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, first, there's always a little bit of suspicion why Why are you doing this? Who mm-hmm. are you? What is this? And also, don't forget, I come from the UK, mm-hmm. so the other thing is, why would we listen to somebody who lives 5,000 miles away? <laughs> yeah, we have some so, very good universities just around the yeah, corner, yeah. So, anyway, but but I've been again, I've been extremely lucky to have one or two very high up. S- supporters of my work yeah. have been very, very high up in the industry. So I've been, you know, you yeah. need friends in high places, I guess.
0: That's great. And talking of friends in high places, you've got a book coming out, haven't you?
2: Yes, yes.
0: Would you like to tell us who with?
2: Yes, of course, uh, with pleasure as my good uh, friend Gary Rastrom. And uh, Gary was one of my uh, favorite artists growing up. Um, he you would know his work, maybe not his name, but you would know his work. Mm. He's won seven Oscars and his uh Titanic for sound. This is yeah. uh, for Titanic for Jurassic Park for uh Saving Pride Ryan. Um, he's done an enormous amount of movies, yeah. Uh, so you know, when, whenever you Go and see a movie about dinosaurs. You can bet yeah. your money that
0: I dropped Terminator uh, Two in because it's one of my two. favorite films. Sound yeah, of course,
2: of course, I've about that. So yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's won uh, 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 enormous amount yeah. of awards, and it is. But re- regardless of the awards, it is to my mind one of the top two, three best sound designs yeah. in the history of. Yeah.
0: Hasn't he also directed some of the English-speaking versions of yes. some of the Studio Ghibli stuff as That's well? That's
2: correct, yes. Uh, yeah, because Gary, um, for a while, uh, worked at uh, Pixar because he had done... So, next time you watch a Pixar movie and you see the little lamp, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, when the logo, the Luxo lamp, he did the sound for, for that. Brilliant. He did the sound for Toy Story. He, uh, and then, eventually, he, because Gary's multi-talented guy, mm-hmm he directed a couple of the Toy Story shorts uh, for Pixar because I think he, you know, he's always enjoyed directing mm-hmm. um, and, and is the I think he's a perfect guy for directing for a yeah. number of reasons. And because of his interest and in knowledge of animation, the opportunity came up to direct uh, the American versions mm. of uh, quite Fantastic. a few of Miyazaki's mm. movies or Studio Ghibli's movies Uh, because that's something that not everybody understands why do you need a director if the film is already made because of course you need to cast the voices you need to then direct the voices Uh, so obviously you don't do anything with the movie but you you,
0: you seems a logical progression for someone who's always worked in sound
2: and and who has a very profound understanding and appreciation of animation Mm. which was the other very important thing because animation works very very differently from uh, live action just to state the (laughs) blatantly obvious you know so as a director in particular you can't approach animation the same way you would uh, a live action movie because it wouldn't work yeah yeah. so what's the what's the book about so we just talked about crisis and and the book is called The Endless Ends of Cinema because uh, and it's a basically a history of Hollywood through its major crisis all the times or most of the times when it was declared dead Mm. And we got through quite a few of them. I'm not going to list them, obviously, now, but, but they go from the very beginning of cinema. The very first kind of deadly crisis was uh, at the turn of not this century, but the one, the yeah. one before. So 1900s already, you know, uh, cinema is not even really... It's, it's not, nothing more than a few days old and already they're declaring it dead. Yeah. And then throughout its history, all the different times. And we end, actually, as we were writing, of course, the pandemic struck. Oh uh, yeah. So we had to add... And I say we had to because really we had to mm. <laughs> add the chapter on, on COVID and, and everything else. So, yeah, it's, it's a history of Hollywood through its crisis and how it survived, most importantly.
0: Fantastic. And how long have you been working on it?
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> a long time. I think close to four years now, but I think it's three. Three. In, we, we finished in three years and now the, the corrections are done, the book is submitted, the cover yeah. is done, the acknowledgements are done, the thank yeah. yous have been written. And so the book is now in production. Ah, So do you have a release date? Yeah, the book is coming out. uh, Well, it depends on the publisher now, Bloomsbury, uh, how quickly they'll turn the production around, but it's coming out probably early next year. So you haven't got a specific date yet? No, they say March, but I'm trying to convince it to to bring it forward a little. Yeah, uh, I could do with it being out as soon as possible.
0: Yeah. And this is an academic book
2: no not really oh. i shouldn't be saying this because, uh. because really i should be writing academic books no i don't think you can call it an academic book i think uh gary and i incidentally it's extremely rare to have an, acad- an academic and a film filmmaker working together i was i
0: was gonna say yeah someone from inside and outside the industry yeah. that's that's very unusual
2: and that was exactly the point in many ways mm. um because we Wanted to provide some chapters are written exactly like that. In other mm-hmm. words, both viewpoints from the, the view from the trenches, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. from Gary and the view from the hill from, from me. Um, but the key point was we wanted to write a book about how not to be afraid, mm. uh, how to understand that crisis happens, there are narratives around those crises that are developed. In general terms, there's a mm. wonderful book called Narratives of Crisis, which was perhaps the beginning of the the kernel of the idea. And it's not so much what happens, but how people narrate that story of what's happened. Um, there's an earthquake, okay, obviously destructive power force and everything else, you have to deal with it immediately, but then the story that is told around what that means may impact significantly. In fact, it will impact significantly on the choices that people then make moving forward. Yeah. So we wanted to um ideally particularly for those who work in film or with film mm. in some capacity or rather to realize crises have happened throughout the history of movies. Mm. Movies have proven to be very resilient mm. um the system seems to work, yeah it sputters sometimes and creates problems and everything but but fundamentally, as you know the the building has withstood the the, the, yeah. tre- the tremors um so you you need to obviously address any crisis that comes but you also need to be very careful what you say around it because mm. you know streaming like the internet like piracy like before yes they have provided significant headaches <laughs> yeah for people in film but uh, but it is one thing to say this is a headache painful and everything else but we can address it another thing is to say uh, i'm dying mm. you know and 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 there's no point in doing anything because we're mm. dead yeah so so hopefully this is going to be of, obviously hopefully it's going to be of use to scholars as well. Yeah. Uh, but if I were to pick a primary audience, I would say anybody who works and deals with film at all levels, from cinema owners and exhibitors to um, programmers, <laughs> yeah. to to uh, technicians, to filmmakers, to studio executives in particular. I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think it is that? Cinema always bounces back. What do you think the, the the key is? What what's the strength there? That
2: that's an easy. I mean, I can I can answer <laughs> it very easily. Is uh, people love movies? Yeah. There's never been a moment in the history of movies where people have clearly stopped loving movies. Mm. Maybe the way in which they access those movies mm-hmm. has developed, changed, evolved. However, we want to call it, morphed. There's never been a moment where there's been that was in doubt. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Some people say, for instance, they usually claim, you know, post-war, uh, World War Two period, the arrival of television, uh, people stay at home, don't go to the cinema and everything else. But if you look at some of the things that were most popular on television were movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, streaming, well, streaming built its popularity on movies. Now then, of course, you have Stranger Things and other series, but, but at first... Everybody knew that the, you needed those big popular titles to bring in the subscribers. So ultimately, and it's global, there isn't a single country in the world that doesn't love movies, not mm. just like movies, but literally love yeah. movies. Yeah. So I think that's the secret ingredient in this. Um, people love movies, so the rest is how, how well can we adapt and change mm and evolve if and innovate however you want to put it yeah and and the system has been fairly uh responsive sometimes slow um because again for the same reasons that we said before some sometimes it's ego sometimes it's just the way in which you've done things and i'm sure this goes across all art forms you know oh but well, we've always done things this way in music why mm. should we change it well, now yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know, or whatever that's human that's just human nature yeah but i think yeah, again your answer is audiences love movies
0: you talk about changing and evolving there mm. i mean technology is certainly one of the ways that they've they've always tried to do that i mean as you say the introduction of surround sound in the mm. late 70s early 80s and then but obviously whatever the movies do the, the home market then tries to imitate so you get THX in the theater then you get THX at home so and i know one of your big early academic interests was was sound mm-hmm and the development of surround sound what triggered yeah. that early interest
2: uh, a lot of different things i guess i would i was <laughs> i was 13 when star wars came out the first star wars <laughs> yeah. so that that dates me i'm afraid
0: i was i was seven so oh, well, there
2: you yeah go. but um i was a i was the target group i was the the, the target group for the movie yeah, yeah. And I remember going to see the film and coming out with some friends and saying, "Oh wow, the sound was amazing." And all my friends said, "What are you talking about? You know, the, 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 wh- 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 <laughs> they didn't what, notice the sound. <laughs> what are you? What are you talking about?" And I and I thought, "Oh, that's that's odd, and that's interesting." Um, but there was something about the way in which sound was used in that movie that kind of triggered uh, an understanding of the possibilities. Yeah,
0: Ben uh, Burt, wasn't it?
2: Yes, Ben. Uh, I then ended up meeting uh, a few years later um, also to say thank you um, Ben had done an amazing job uh, with things that uh, up to that point perhaps it's not that there hadn't been films before that had done mar- marvellous things with sound there, there are examples from very very early mm. on the the, the first uh, King Kong with, with, mm. with sound is a great example mm. of Wonderful use of sound, and it doesn't have to be spectacular movies, obviously. I'm just mentioning King Kong is one of those famous examples. Mm. Adventures of Robin Hood, uh, the one with Errol Flynn, for instance, is another very good, famous example of arrows flying by and excitement, yeah. and so stuff. But there was something about Star Wars that was undeniably different, mm. um, and the sheer amount of uh, modes of address from sound through robots vocalizations i mean now yeah. now we take it for granted you know you see r2d2 you know the little uh, trash can robot in anything and of course it's going to beep right but that was not of course at the time
0: yeah.
2: yeah uh and yet it sounds more human and more emotional yeah it's capable to express emotions yeah. sometimes more than a lot of actors yeah. <laughs> have gone yeah. to star wars over the years so you know and that was Yeah, I think
0: the only thing we'd had before that was was Robbie in Lost in Space. Yes,
2: well, in fact, Lost in Space is an interesting example, again, of the use of sound, or Forbidden Planet is a great example of the use of
0: sound. Oh, yeah. The theremin and all that. (laughs) And the
2: other other great thing was that Ben understood that you could actually uh, uh, identify a character by a sound.
1: Mm.
2: And this had not really been developed that much in the past
0: in the way that a leitmotif is used in music music.
2: and he understood there was something that he could do and obviously the most famous example of them all i don't even need to say is darth vader's breathing yeah now it's impossible almost anywhere in the world if you if you hear even a snippet of that sound there's no way that you're confusing who that is yeah right and and it was that particular ability to create those kind of sounds that alerted me to, to that possibility so I got curious I just got curious yeah, yeah. You know, curiosity and then um, I was I didn't know much about the technology but I, I I made it a point to learn enough to understand how it worked and so yeah. on
0: did you do the the, the teenage thing did you have the tape recorder and try making
2: your own I did a lot of <laughs> a lot, I did a lot <laughs> of stupid things uh, yeah I i yeah I did have a tape recorder um
0: Change the speed and uh,
2: uh, I did a lot of things but, but um but that in many ways that was interesting because he also alerted me to the fact that the technology has very little to do with the quality of, yep. of the work uh and because you know you can get the best technology in the world in your yep. living room uh, and you will not be able to <laughs> to do anything particularly good unless. Again, you are not just talented in a you know kind of supernatural way, but but yeah. unless you, that's really what your your job is, uh, yeah. and you develop the skill and so on. So that and and then again, because of Ray Dolby, whom when I started doing the PhD, I didn't even know existed. I didn't mm-hmm. know that there was a Mr. Dolby. Yeah. Um, because of Ray, I managed to meet a lot of. Uh, people who work with sound in sound and i realized you know th- these guys are extremely intelligent they are very well spoken they can make perfect sense of what they're doing despite the yeah. fact that sometimes I said, well i just just you know i just did it and i was <laughs> <"Man>, like <laughs> no um but they were always very articulate but not that i expected them to be inarticulate, bubbling yeah. fools but 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 because of the technology you tend to think this is a technological thing so you tend to think about people who work in sound and not just sound in other um, areas of filmmaking as fundamentally um, technicians which yeah. is a... Uh, Eng-
0: engineers rather
2: than artists. Yeah, it's yeah. a totally incomplete not incorrect yeah. because they're also very well technologically versed mm-hmm. but, but but they're fundamentally artists uh, the, yeah. and learning about their art switched on my interest in other parts of filmmaking. Yeah. So.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello fresh. So the chances of finding intelligent life amongst them are so infinitesimally small as to not even be worth looking. Could you then have stumbled onto the one podcast where intelligent life could exist? No. No, you haven't. So
0: let's, uh, let's find a little bit more out about Gianluca. Um, I believe he used to be a semi-pro basketball player. Okay. Discuss Dis- <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, that little nugget. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you saw me in the street, you, that's the least sport you would think. Um, yeah,
0: Jan Lucas four foot one. Yeah, uh, anyone listening?
2: Yeah, well, maybe not that, but certainly, <laughs> but certainly I'm not six foot four. Um, uh, no, it, uh, no, I'm really not that tall. Um, but so a, a, a guy of average height, um. Playing basketball is not uh, something that you would imagine, but but you know when you're young you just yeah. think, what the hell. What I'll, was your position? I'll give it a, a. I was just a playmaker or a guard, as they're calling yeah. now. Obviously, because again, I couldn't go against somebody nineteen feet yeah. tall. But you know. did you did well
0: with it, didn't you?
2: Yeah, because I he, I, I took to it um, like a fish takes to water, I guess, and. Mm. And between the age of I don't know, fifteen and nineteen, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was kind of my 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 other life. It was movies and and basketball. Wow! And I, I played and I played and played. And then eventually, um, I got asked if I wanted to play for this team in a semi professional league, and they would pay. Uh, obviously, when I say pay, don't start thinking no. millions or no. anything. <laughs> um, but but the idea of uh, being paid to play basketball is like oh yeah this is i I like this um (laughs) uh but you know reality eventually catches up and and yes i was okay and um good enough to play at that level but if to move to the next level up to the to the pros if it's a completely different game and yeah and um evidently i wasn't good enough to go and play it, otherwise. <laughs> otherwise i wouldn't be it's a nice to thing really, to have done though yeah no no it, it was amazing um i met some very good friends who are still friends today and also i suspect it's helped me understand you know how to remain in decent health uh i guess yeah. which is a, which is not a bad, a bad thing when you go when yeah. you get a little older so yeah
0: definitely and now you're a massive baseball fan
2: well i'm well yeah I've always liked Uh, American sports quite a lot because of movies, I guess, you know, some Mm -hmm. certain mystique around certain sports, particularly baseball that has almost a mythological kind of standing. I'm reading right now a great book called City of Dreams, which is about LA and the arrival of the Los Angeles Dodgers in in LA from Brooklyn, where they were based. And there's a lot of very good sports writing. Um, books about sports in America. We don't really have that tradition in Europe in general or in the UK. There are some decent books. There's usually biographies, whereas in the the States, again, there's this awareness of the way in which sport um, impacts on on society and on the growth and development of of particular sections of society in entire cities. And LA is a very Good example of that. I could tell you 50 million stories of how baseball impacted on LA and changed the city, not just the sports scene. So I've always been interested in that combination and that that relationship. And baseball represented this, you know, kind of uh, a gateway to understanding American culture mm. And the American psyche to some extent, much more than the other sports. I mean I'm yeah. a huge basketball fan, yes, but basketball, very different. than baseball not just in terms of rules and yeah. regulations, but also in the relationship with the general public. Yeah. Not for nothing, baseball used to be called, you know, you know, America's pastime. And American football or football as they call it in the US. I also liked it for different reasons. And that was because again, again, the culture and the writing reminded, there was a lot about Roman gladiators and that kind of stuff. So you had a, a different kind of epic mm. tone yeah. to it. But baseball has something about it that was different from the other two. Mm. And it was very much something that fascinated me and continues to fascinate me, both both, mm. both as a sport and as a, as a metaphor for, for American culture.
0: Yeah. We living in America when you learned to speak English?
2: I learned to speak... Well, <laughs> I, I learned to say a few things in English when I was in school, uh, because in Italy it, was compuls- it still is obviously compulsory to study mm. at least one foreign language. In fact, it might even be two now. But because um, television and film in Italy are dubbed unlike uh, northern countries in Europe yeah no. uh, that was not certainly a, it was it, I was not proficient shall we say yeah um, but I had like most southern Italians I had relatives in the US and I came to visit and I said oh, uh, why Why don't you come visit and I said yeah <laughs> I, was, nice. I was 17 and I went and spent a few months in, oh what an, in, wow what an adventure
1: yeah
2: <laughs> absolutely people do a pivotal moment in many ways so I spent uh, in two in two uh go so I spent six months in Cleveland Ohio and yeah. uh, and that's what I really learned how to speak
0: did it click fairly quickly with you
2: actually it did uh, yeah. I think it was just cultural I think
0: some people are just just wired that way
2: maybe I don't know there are some languages that I know I'm not going to you know it's gonna <laughs> click, even if I try because it's just my brain German do. and Russian well. <laughs> but nothing obviously Mandarin. Against, <laughs> against those languages but there's something yeah. some, sometimes so with English he, he came he came fairly natural but also because again I, I had the opportunity to learn it when I was still
1: relatively young I
2: mean yeah. 17 is still fairly young yeah, the, the your brain's brain. flexible yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. So um, one of your other loves and obsessions mm. is jazz. How mm. did you
2: discover jazz? It's it's in it, many ways it's funny because I realized there was a, a clear connection with African American culture, Black culture, which yeah. I hadn't quite tweaked and realized. Because mm. some a guy from uh, a white guy from Southern Italy doesn't necessarily immediately think, "Oh, <laughs> that's my point <laughs> of reference." There, sure. I I, I don't know. Uh, the the basketball thing was obviously something that for yeah. a long time yeah. it wasn't just obviously. An african-american sport but certainly it was it had a particular standing amongst the african yeah. it still does
0: the Harlem um, globetrotters would have been huge at the time you were growing yeah, up i guess
2: yeah yeah but it wasn't it wasn't just that it was more the fact that if you picked a, a young kid mm. from some you know not particularly well-off mm. part of any of the major u.s cities if you asked him if it was an african-american kid you ask him which yeah. sport you want to be they would Im- most immediately say basketball yeah yeah for a number of reasons uh when i was growing up that is yeah so we're talking about six late 60s 70s so i got curious and the more i got curious the more i learned and then i stumbled first into funk which again that was the mm. funny thing because my favorite band at the time was earth wind and fire uh, great and of course, Earth, & Fire have fusion music, so you get quite a lot of jazz influences yeah. oh, in, yeah. in the music. And then th- that was the next step, the logical step. Uh, but I kind of felt scared of jazz music for a while. Mm. It felt t- too sophisticated. A well, little bit elitist sometimes. Yeah, for a 16, 17-year-old, yeah, 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 yeah. it yeah. felt like a little bit too... Yeah. But I wasn't that much into pop music. But Again, not for snobbish reasons, it's just that I found it difficult to find bands that I, like. I liked. Uh, rock music and so on i liked all kinds of music uh, heavy metal maybe not so much but anyway i liked all kinds of all yeah. kinds of music but with jazz it was almost like uh i i stood at a distance from it I, mm-hmm. I, every now and then i would hear something and I'd say yeah, that sounds like a, i want to listen more of that but then i would listen to something more i said no, i'm not I, almost like i'm not ready for it and then eventually i i did i started dipping my toes and at first you dip your toes with the usual stuff mm-hmm. because you hear uh soundtracks or movies that that use yeah. uh, usually it's always kind of blue it's always Miles Davis one way or another yeah and I I liked it but I was the curious thing about that particular record was that I I was more curious about who was playing with Miles Davis yes than with what Miles Davis was doing with the music itself yeah Not, I don't mean to be heretic here but no 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 um, and then I found out who was playing with Miles Davis and I thought ah okay I need to listen more to these guys. Yeah, and of course Bill Evans was on the piano, and John Coltrane was on the sax, and he, yeah. and and those two opened up, you know, the sax world, which is the one that I re- that really yeah. grabbed me, despite the fact that I used to play piano. But it was sax. Yeah, and through you know Coltrane, you start wondering who else was there out there. Yeah, and then eventually I stumbled into Charlie Parker, and I thought, okay, okay, yeah. now now I'm I'm where I want to be. Yeah, uh, and no, nothing. It was uh, I fell in love with with Bird, with uh, you know Charlie Parker, and with yeah. his music. And I thought this is amazing. And what I don't understand and what I can't engage immediately, I like to spend a bit more time with. Yeah, and educate myself because like everything, it's an education. Yeah, definitely. And it's been a long, uh, long time passion now for the past for the past twenty years. I can't tell you who played in the 1963 version sure. of and i'm not i'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm not like not an official and is yeah. you know your music is your thing I, I i i would never be able to express myself in the same knowledge knowledgeable and a way that you can but but i know what i like and i and i probably know why i like it now yeah and, I, and no, that's uh,
0: great food and cooking oh. i've got down on my <laughs> notes here oh
2: well yeah stereotypical tell me a little enough. about
0: well you're in italian yes. so tell me about food well here's how a, did you, how well, did you develop a passion where's well, that come from
2: i think it's my creative thing i'm beginning to realize now f- by the way there's not something that has always been there uh mm. and in fact neither food nor coffee nor wine were things that i was particularly interested in when i was in italy and, mm. I, and the only reason why i can work out <laughs> was that they were so readily available that you uh, took them for granted. You didn't have yeah. to spend a minute thinking mm. about. Oh, wait a minute, this is good because you know you don't you don't have a baseline. If the baseline is, is, yeah. is the sky, you go like, well, wait a minute.
0: And then you came to England.
2: Well, but you said <laughs> that. I, I, I was going to say, I had the experience of different cultures and. I, first of all when you go to the states you realize the influence of Italian Italians in general Italian oh, culture yes. in general but, huge, huge. but but certainly Italian food yes. on American culture oh, yeah. and I wondered I thought oh, this is interesting because you start experiencing your own your own culture has been mirrored back to you yeah and inevitably you kind of recognize yourself a little bit in that mirror image mm-hmm. but there are other parts that you don't quite grab or grasp or whatever and then coming here, I, when I moved to the UK, um, well, coffee was a thing that other mm. people drink. And food, <laughs> it was a time where if you order food in a pub, they give you a packet of crisps, if you yeah, were lucky, yeah. right? So the notion of being interested in food um, and food as a creative outlet, enterprise and everything else, in the UK, certainly, yeah, yeah. when I moved here, was not a thing. Mm. Over the years, however, that has changed. It has changed yeah very much so, yeah. So supermarkets started bringing in a lot more, a yeah. uh, greater variety of food.
0: And they got gastropubs. And-
2: yes, but pubs got into the act, yeah. because it was, there was a lot of money to be paid, obviously, yeah, yeah. in that, n- with mixed results, let's say. But nevertheless, evidently, and the rise of the celebrity chefs on television, yeah, which absolutely. is very much a, a, a British uh, phenomenon. Uh, yeah. That tells you a lot, because it really started here in many ways, at least on a mass scale. Um, the U.S. had had people like Julia Childs before, you know, very yeah. famous celebrity chefs, but but the, the the rise of people like Jimmy Oliver and everything else. Yeah. Evidently, the, the culture here changed pretty dramatically around, yeah. around food, and now the availability of food, although now prices are pretty insane, mm. but, but supermarkets in the U.K., and maybe British people don't realize, but, you know, most of the countries have smaller supermarkets. Yeah. There are still corner shops and other things where you get your yes, delicatessen, so you know, yeah. but, but here you can yeah. go to to the supermarket. Any 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 major brand, and I don't need to pick one here, and you can find actually a remarkable selection of, mm. of food, and the quality is pretty good. So, it's, in other words, it's possible for the average person to try to be creative mm. and and explore a little bit what you can do with food. yeah. yeah. And so I became more interested, and I'm. I would say that I can see that becoming more and more and more a thing that I do because it it, first of all it relaxes me a lot yeah and I like the challenge if you go only 10 minutes you go 10 minutes if you go because some people say I would love cooking if I had the time well (laughs) I know and I know what you mean but cooking doesn't have to be Complicated and, and Italian food certainly doesn't need to be complicated. So sometimes ten minutes is enough, and sometimes mm. you have half an hour, and you go, well, "What can I do now?" And, and so, a I, lo- I know you like sounds a
0: song, nice combination: song. putting the putting the jazz on, cooking the food, and
2: yeah. And I think the the the, the idea there is is again around the notion of creativity. I mm. I I used to play piano when I was very young. I completely forgot how to play piano. I would love to go back to playing piano, as you know, as one of my yeah yeah. You know, things i want to do never too late yeah one of the things i want to do eventually uh you know i deal with movies but i don't make movies so Mm. i think everybody has a creative outlet in them or more than one probably i cannot draw if my life depends on it singing is best left (laughs) to others (laughs) you don't want to hear me singing um but i guess you know um food cooking uh, is my is my thing?
0: Yeah, you're responsible for getting me into wine because you introduced me to Californian wines, Zinfandel, uh, and
2: well, well, wine is a f- funny thing because again, I didn't drink wine when I was. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> what is, what an idiot! Uh, but I I just wasn't into wine, mm. um, and it was it's it's just uh, something relatively recent, and it's not like I'm an expert or I can afford <laughs> buying sure. expensive wine. But again, the issue is not so much money. Yeah. Uh in fact that's the challenge in many ways, you know, can you get something decent? Can you yeah. can you can yeah. you have a good experience without having to
0: We've had a few nice wines though on our travels, yeah. haven't we? we have the uh well, uh Francis Ford Coppola wine. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I think there's some Skywalker is the Skywalker Ranch wine as well.
2: Yeah they do, <laughs> but those are not cheap. <laughs> they do make yeah. So Mr. on, on Mr. the ranch they actually have their yeah. own Mr Coppola famously a good Italian uh, got an interest in wine and eventually once he became famous and had enough money he started his own vineyard uh, in Northern California which is a good area to start a vineyard and then all around
0: the Napa Valley is ridiculously
2: yeah and hot. that's and that's, he, <laughs> and that's where he where he where he started his vineyard originally although now his vineyard a lot of different yeah. places and then George uh, Lucas in later years but still uh, he got you know in fact if you go to the ranch if you go to Skywalker Ranch there's there's quite a lot of buying around there and, mm. and they make a couple of uh, wines there obviously they don't make an enormous number of bottles no, although no. I think he's now bought uh, quite a lot of land in Italy I think and in oh, France wow. okay, to grow more grapes for wine but yes you can buy a bottle of wine they're usually quite expensive but um, I usually ask Gary around for dinner, and I say, Gary, bring a bottle. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> no, no, Gary's just because a, he works there and Ga- he can go no, to the go
0: to the store easily. No, no yeah. I think is
2: is a little bit more highly paid. Can you can
0: you pick anything up, Gary? Just a cheap bottle of something from the corner shop.
2: No, that that yeah. that, <laughs> that sentence doesn't quite compute <laughs> in Northern California. But yeah, no, no, uh, uh, it's, it's always a pleasure w- when you are in that part of the world. That's one of the pleasures, really. They, they make phenomenal wine there. Yeah. And it's easy to find good wine for relatively low money. And, yeah. and why not? You know, it's, yeah, it's
1: absolutely.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Is Gary still working at Skywalker? or is because he? he's, he's well, relocated recently?
2: Yes, he's moved to another city. Um, but he still works. It's uh, just finished. I think I can say that. I think so. Um, two weeks ago, He's just finished Indiana Jones five wow and um, and uh, Spielberg's latest movie which is called The Fable Man which is basically an autobiographical movie that Spielberg has just has just made
0: nice um,
2: yeah because you know and uh, to, uh, actually as Gary said basically he's retired but when Spielberg calls he will always say yes yeah. so, so long. you as, would wouldn't you yeah. so long as Mr. Spielberg continues to make movies I think Gary will continue to work on yeah. those movies but he's trying to dial it back because you know it's extremely demanding we had dinner yeah. i can't remember what time last time i was in la because he was working on these things and they go on oh, times yeah. until very very late at night yeah, so yeah. It's, it's not an easy life um it's well paid but yeah. it's not not easy
0: so has he got a studio at home now that he works from or? he's
2: always that but you know all of these people yeah. uh at that level have some kind of uh, set up at home but the pandemic i think fast-tracked uh, some developments that would have happened probably anyway, given the technology and uh, particularly the you know, the fast lines and the ability to work remotely. Yeah. And uh, a place like Lucasfilm, for instance, they have offices everywhere. They, you know, they're in London, they're in Singapore, they're in Vancouver, they're in San Francisco, they're in LA. So you know, they have to. They can't hop on a plane every time they need to see someone. Yeah. So, so remote working was not new, but i think he's moving to a different location means that also he can have his own little studio there as man cave or however you want to call it and do his work beautiful but there will always be times when he will need to go to either la yeah. or yeah. san francisco whatever, to be with the director in the room yeah doing the final mix it sounds
0: like you've done a fair bit of plane hopping yourself in this yeah. in the pursuit of you these Can
2: say yes <laughs> Yes, I probably. Going okay for your probably, air miles. I'm going to hell probably because of the environment. But <laughs> oh, well, the environment is not probably the reason why I'm going to hell, but nevertheless, that's probably one of the reasons on the list. Uh, <laughs> probably number five or six. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, but I believe problem.
0: you're going up in a very eco sound plane scene.
2: Yes. I, sorry. <laughs> I had to for a moment. Yeah, I'm still trying to recover from Segway. the Segway. Yes, sorry. No, because I'm still getting used to the idea. Yeah, so I've always liked planes, almost at a nerdy level, I, I, I'm i afraid to say. Um, and I've always wanted to fly uh, in a glider. Mm. And i never done it. And recently, Fabulous. because of a number of catastrophes in my life, uh, I, I, I thought, okay, well, you know, I think it's time to do something. Yeah. So I'm going to be in a glider very soon.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Where is that going to take place?
2: Uh, near Leicester. Uh, the south is, is leicestershire south leicestershire there's oh, beautiful a, yeah there's a flying flying school there and yeah that's what i'm gonna do and again a glider and glide that'll, um, that'll be very nice and if i don't die i'll we'll do it you, you won't yeah well i don't, I don't know we'll see <laughs> we'll see but anyway you know uh, um i've always i've always loved flying and 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 a glide. yeah i got it's,
0: over my fear of flying with traveling with you frequently uh, yeah
2: that got me over it. You know, yeah. you, you're, you're the one that I admire because, you know, I never really. You know, everybody has a little moment of apprehension because our natural place is earth, not the sky. <laughs> yeah. um, but I had never been particularly concerned about flying. But uh, I always admire the fact that you, you know, you, you, and my mother, for instance, was like that. You know, she mm. really was terrified of flying. Mm. So anybody who manages to overcome fear and that's a it's one of those way.
0: things isn't it it's 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 a, it's a scale and on, a, on one side you've got fear of flying and on the other side you've got one opportunity to see places and, <laughs> and to see the world and to travel and do things and you think you've got to get over this if you want to otherwise you're gonna you, you never walk out of the house a, you know yeah
2: but that's like everything that's a <laughs> rational argument yeah and there is the irrational fear that, yeah. that, that, that Grabs you and and so you know give yourself some credit uh, the yeah. overcoming those irrational fears yeah. despite the fact that rationally you think well that's that's you know well, yeah it's the safest form of transport yeah. Think, yeah but that's the brain speak yeah yeah the heart says well well to crash
0: I just hate um, the airports now
2: yeah well let's not talk about <laughs> I like the, the
0: airports, coffee bars so. it's just the queuing Yes. Yeah. let's not talk about <laughs> <laughs> right now not not
2: fun places to be.
0: Climb to fame, claim to fame It's your chance to drop a name Trying to outdo each other's kind of lame Warn-upmanship is the only aim Claim to fame, claim to fame Claim to fame, claim to fame thank you very much okay so claims to fame then Gianluca uh, tell us some tell us what you've got
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Now, not what you want uh, yeah so uh, you know we're talking about people love stories so I'll just, I'll just tell you a story uh, in fact I just remember the other story which is also funny the John Landis story but I'll leave it I'll leave it out just in case John Landis listens to this
0: John Landis story. won't be listening and I know the story yeah, well, and yeah, I was yeah. I was sort of hinting at it earlier yeah, but I uh, yeah. don't know if you picked up on it uh,
2: I'll leave it out because it's uh, you know a delicate let's say but <laughs> this, ad- this other this other <laughs> one is, uh, is it can be told and it's a sweet little story so the academy the again the academy of motion picture arts and sciences which effectively is the most important organisation in Hollywood um, representing all the different Filmmakers, as a board of governors, uh, which which effectively runs the academy, it runs the Oscars, but also they do a lot of other things, not right. just not just right. the Oscars. And um, they meet regularly to discuss, uh, you know, the future of the organization, film, the Oscars, um, awards, and all these other things. For a number of. <laughs> reasons which would make another interesting story mm. i was invited to go and speak to the board of governors once i recovered from the shock i looked at the list uh, who, who was the governor at the time nice and, and steven spielberg was the governor at the time tom hanks was a governor at the oh. time a lot of very michael Giacchino, the composer was, was mm. governor. so i thought Ooh, oh, oops this is a pretty this high- could be a fun <laughs> evening <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is, i better i better know my stuff put it mm. that way if I'm gonna go and stand in front of these people, an academic from the UK, so uh, as you can imagine, it was a bit of pressure on uh, on on me to do to do a good job, and uh, and it come the evening, the uh, the very kind woman who was effectively helping me set up and everything else again, ready said oh, by the way, they 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 started six, they have some private conversations they need to have in the big boardroom. So you need to picture the scene here. Imagine a very long wooden table with chairs and cameras everywhere with screens and people yeah. connected from different parts of the world who those who couldn't be there because they were filming for whatever. And yeah. then there's all these very serious looking people around the table. And of course some of you recognize because you know some are like famous actors or famous directors or whatever. And you, you think, yeah, this is gonna be fun. Mm. So there's this big room and the, and the walls were all made of glass. So you could see in and they can see. Through Uh. out. So the lady, you know, handling me at the time said, If you come at half a six, there's gonna be food, you know, in the in the atrium, so you can have food there and then when they finish we'll call you and you can come in and do your presentation. So okay, fine. So I'll have a little bit of time to just, you know, relax for a moment. So there is an elevator going up in the headquarters of the Academy that then opens up on the floor where the boardroom with all these people is. Nice. So I thought, well, I'm going to go up this elevator. The doors are going to open. I'm going to walk into the edge room. I can see where they are. I can quickly scan the room and see who's there, have some food, and then I will be taken to the room to do the presentation. Uh, Oh, oh dear, that's not how it went. (laughs) (laughs) How it went was that they had actually finished earlier than expected. So this poor woman had been trying to phone me, to warn me, at the moment I actually arrived and stepped out of the elevator, they would effectively all be looking at me yeah. arri- arriving in. So, I the elevator's door opened, and before I read, I t- the whole room was just looking at me. And I felt, you know, a lot of those dreams you feel naked, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was pretty much <laughs> like that. I thought, oh, this is uh, <laughs> this is a little bit complicated, you know, man, man, that dead, dead man walking kind of thing, right? We're going to execute you know? But before I could recover from the shock, I saw this very familiar figure making a beeline for me, coming with a hand, uh, you know, hand stretched out, and it was Laura Dern. Right? Oh. <laughs> uh, and and so, before I could recover from the fact that, in fact, I was being, you know, laser looked at by this, <laughs> this room full of very famous and important people, I had a major... Full mattress. Well, Running to say, "Oh, hello, welcome," and everything else. Uh, and she said, "Oh, I'm Laura Dunn. and I had to reframe myself from saying "No,
1: you yeah, are Laura yeah, Dern." Yeah. I,
2: um, but she, she, you know, they were all, you know, it, 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 it was a, a fun. Uh, uh, in many ways, it was a fun evening. Every, everybody yeah. was very friendly, and I got to meet a lot of people who admired whose work I admired for a very long time. And so it was good. And I survived, but by having Laura Dern making a beeline for you is not something. That happens. <laughs> so it doesn't happen every very day. Often, so it was, it was kind of that's a yeah. funny, funny story. That's a story I can't tell. There's a is another story well, involving John Landis that I can't tell.
0: Would you like to tell the John Landis story for the members-only area, well, and then he's not going to hear it? Uh, no,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, because I don't want to be hit by <laughs> by a truck tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an interesting. Let's just say it's a, it's a fun story, which actually takes place at Frankie Muso, which is the most prestigious. A historic yeah. restaurant, and in fact, if you watch the offer, which is a series uh, Paramount Plus, mm. which is just launched yeah. in the UK, is made on the making of the Godfather. Yeah. There's a lot of it which is shot in Frankie Musso because that's yeah. where all the nice. deals were, nice. were being made, and, nice. and that was an interesting yeah. encounter with a very famous yeah. director. If you,
0: you wanted to tell it, I could chop it no, out no, no, and keep it for. I'll tell you, ransom. Probably. No, I I know the story. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Yes, <laughs>
2: well, I tell you, I tell you, proudly. No.
0: So, um, I've got some interesting stuff written down in my notes here, and the next one I've got written is Darth Vader's Respirator.
2: Uh, yeah, no, but that I kind of mentioned that before. I I remember once I think Gary and I had started working on the book, it was early days, so a few years ago, and he uh said, Oh, have you ever met Ben? Because Ben Burt, you know, the the, yeah, you know, one of the top two or three again, sound designers in the history, one of the godfathers of contemporary sound who had done all the, uh, the 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 breathing for Darth Vader the, the sounds for R2-D2 all the sounds yeah. for Star Wars multiple Oscar winner etc cetera, etc cetera. Indiana Jones and Whip and all these other things so Ben was obviously a hero of mine for a number of different reasons but I never despite the fact that I've been at the ranch several times I, I, for interviews research whatever I never actually met him because it hadn't yeah. you know, happened and <laughs> and Gary casually said have you ever met Ben I said no I said well let's go and introduce you to Ben so I went and <laughs> Gary being Gary Gary dropped me basically in Ben's office and said well Ben meet look at meet Ben and he left so oh, great <laughs> I, 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 sat, I sat there and we talked for about an hour with, with, with Ben and I suddenly at the corner of my eye caught this uh, respirator that was you know the kind of uh, underwater you know the kind of thing yeah. subs Yeah. Well, and, I, and I kept on my eye kept on you know, looking at it, it was literally one inch away from where I was sitting. Yeah. And at one point then Ben finally must have realized what I was doing. I said, Yep. Yeah. So that's that's the respirator I used to do with that voice, if in case you're wondering. So I was sitting like I was sitting next to the thing that had wow. actually switched me on to sound in the first place. Wow, that's so full a, circle. It, it was a nice... It, it, yeah, it was... It's one of those moments when you think, well, yeah, it's a geeky thing, it's a nerdy thing, but it's, yeah. it's strangely satisfying to see that the, the things are going come full circle. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. And talking of coming full circle, you had a nice write-up in Vanity Fair, didn't you?
2: Vanity, Vanity Fair, which yeah. is virtually on every um, coffee table mm. in Hollywood. Maybe not so much in... I don't think many people really know quite how popular Vanity Fair is in, in Hollywood here, for instance, right? It, it's just one of those things. And people think a Vanity Fair is just what that's, what it sounds like, right? Mm. One of the glossy magazines, it is a glossy magazine, but it is one of those magazines that people in the industry read for, because there are interviews and some good articles and some very good people writing it. Mm. And they were doing a, a an article on the future of film and I had just done my work with the Academy that I was just telling you about and... <laughs> And the producer within the academy said, oh, you might want to speak to this guy and gave the reporter my name. So I get an email saying, do you want to do the interview? And I said, well, you know, I'm thinking they want like a a, a soundbite, something like a a, a sentence. I said, yeah, sure, sure, I'll speak with you. Uh, Again, that tells you quite uh, naive. uh, So we, we we did this interview and I realized that the interview went on for almost as long as this podcast went. And I thought, is that... Is all of that for just one Mm. soundbite? Mm. Okay, fine. So I go away and uh, about two weeks later, I get an email from somebody from inside the academy. And the the, the, the inside was just nice write up with an exclamation mark. And I thought, what is he talking about? So, and then somebody else sent me an article saying, did you see your your piece of Variety Fair? And I thought, what piece of Variety Fair? so i wrote to the woman i said but by any chance did you publish this i said oh yeah oh, sorry i forgot to send so she sent me whether she forgot to send me the thing or she didn't send me the- so she sent me this article and it was the first half of the article was basically a profile of of, of my research and my work and the stuff wow. that i had done in the camp. anything else you want to
0: mention on the claim to fame section
2: no no breakfast for no, no.
0: george lucas no no
2: I told you that was lunch and it wasn't with George Lucas George Lucas was sitting behind me at the ranch like it's, near it's near enough it's near enough but it, look it, that's where he works so it's hardly <laughs> a claim to fame I just happen to be in the same place
0: surprised to hear he still actually works there so I his offices. well
2: I, yeah. I don't know whether I should say this but obviously he's got several offices but mm. one of his offices are still in the main house at the ranch yeah. and, you know that was what he built and it was his uh, mm. labour of love so yeah. I, I, of course he would have still a place there
0: yeah it's kind of... It's not a contemporary building, is it? It's very much sort of...
2: There's a story, yeah. So, the, uh, so Mr. Lucas is a storyteller, if nothing else, and mm. an exceptional businessman, by the way. Um, and he thought the ranch needed a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he built it, and you're talking about, around about the late 70s, mm-hmm. in fact, I think it, I think it opened in... 80, 81, 82, something like that. He decided that the story was, and I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly the story that this uh, family, an Italian family, would uh, um, be on this boat, uh, travel the world, and eventually end up in California and find that the land was fertile and the, and the grapes, you know, the vines would grow and, and would start a vineyard. And yeah. that's the place. And the entrance to. Uh, not to the ranch but the entrance to the tech building which is where all the magic kind of happens yeah, has this kind of raw iron a gate or arch more than a gate archway yeah, that says Viandante del Cielo in Italian which actually means Skywalker so he, uh. he he thought that that would be the name of the vineyard and as a consequence that's why it's called Skywalker Ranch and so on obviously uh. that's that's yeah. completely made up story but he wanted it is i thought it's actually kind of endearing that he wanted a story yeah attached to the vineyard yeah. and this is why some of the buildings there are meant to resemble in answer to your point are yeah. meant to resemble kind of slightly older uh style buildings yeah uh, and not 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 modern the st- library is
0: like a beautiful stained glass
2: yeah so so mr lucas is uh an art collector and is a very big Our collector in fact is building right now uh the museum i can't remember i think it's called the museum of narrative arts which is going to be built just outside the university of southern california in downtown l.a Mm -hmm. it's a one billion dollar project so it's a huge it's it's money and it's all going to be about narrative arts uh starting from paintings and everything else and he he has some amazing paintings actually at the ranch if you're going around you can see yeah, you know, it's like oh wait yeah. a minute—is this the original? Yes, it is. And so he's always had a, a particular interest in art, um, and the library there. Well, the, the whole of the main house where the, his office is, and underneath his office is the library where we did. Gary and I did a lot of research mm-hmm. um, for the book. The library is a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous uh, place with you know art deco, this, that, and the other, and everything. Even the little lights, light lamps, were. Custom made and supported nice. by you know, to local, to be made by local artists and so on. So, you know, we well, he, he could say, well, he did that because he had the money to do so, but it's a lot of people who have a lot of money and don't even remotely think of creating that environment. He yeah. had this idea of creating an environment where filmmakers will flourish and yeah, and creativity will flourish. So, whatever you think of. Uh, of his movies or whatever, um that place is a special place and anybody who works there will tell you it is a special place. Yeah. yeah. A privilege to have been able to visit and work there. So
0: beautiful. And the main building is um main building's kind of
2: the tech house? What would you
0: yeah, what what, what would period what period would you say?
2: Well the, the tech house is supposed to be again the, the main kind of vineyard mm. place and uh or peace if you mm. want in the a thing. And it's difficult to uh, I'm sure there's somewhere there's an even it's probably a year a fictitious year put mm. there, but I would mm. say probably like i know eight late nineteenth early twentieth century because again yeah. there there are some elements some aspects of it which are very much twentieth century yep. uh, early part particularly if you go into the, the stag theater, which is mm. the, main, the main cinema inside the tech building a beautiful um place and mm-hmm. Yes, quite a bit of features that you could say. Well, if I'm gonna date this, I'm probably gonna date him to, yeah. 1920s, 30s yeah. maybe. So that's uh, that's the idea. But but the whole place, as you know, the whole place is a uh, is a gorgeous construction.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pants or boxes?
2: Uh, I, I would say pants.
0: Pants. Okay. Any reason?
2: No. <laughs> I'm not, no, not going to tell you the John Landis support. story I'm not going to tell you gonna, no look no no I'm not, no, no, I'm not I'm, I didn't I, even yeah, mention no, John I know, Landis I know I know but uh, yeah support I guess yes yes, <laughs> comfort delight why did why word. did
0: pants remind you of John Landis I have no, no idea
2: no no it's just funny it's just funny. <laughs> funny thing pants uh, yes yeah. I had a that was a favourite expression of one of my dear friends who died recently whenever something didn't work out you know Time honoured expression. It was pants. Pants. Brilliant,
0: brilliant. That's a good way to end. Mm. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Curious. <laughs> thank you. I hope
2: your 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 listeners actually found some fun in the in listening.
0: To I'm this. sure they will. I'm yeah. sure they will, and I'm sure a lot of them would be very interested in some of the some of the stories there. So, thanks a lot for coming on, and uh, thanks for listening if you're listening. And uh, I hope you'll come on again at some point. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And uh, we'll try and get you and Gary on for a. Double header episode oh, I'm sure, at I'm sure some sure point that we can, that would we can be, set that up. I'm sure we can set that up remotely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jan Luca. Thanks for listening and uh, hopefully uh, see you again at some point. Cheers. You've been listening to a couple of drips. The show was conceived and presented by Chris Granger and is a Cup the bike production.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Hi, Chris here. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the production of future episodes, then subscriptions are available. Simply click on the support button in the episode description. See you next time.